The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept, and one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon, broadcasting from very sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. I was laughing a little while ago, saying we're having a cold snap. It's only 106 degrees today. Um, But we're inside with the air conditioning, and we're all fine. I want to thank Alice Cooper for reminding us again today that sometimes when you're in the self-improvement arena, you begin to take your power back and learn to say that wonderful word, no, and people sometimes then think, think we're not so nice. So no more Mr. Nice Guys, our theme song. We want everybody to be authentic and set their own boundaries and their own rules. Ah, what a thought. Some people believe that before we come to this earth plane, we select our parents because of the lessons we need to learn for our soul's growth. Others believe we have no choice at all, and it's a matter of luck where we are born or who our parents are. Both positions leave an inordinate number of questions in our mind, and the main question is, why are some born with every opportunity, and why are others born with almost no opportunity at all? We also hear a lot these days about how we create our own reality, and there are a lot of different opinions on how we go about doing this. Now, all the sacred scriptures make a statement similar to, as a man thinks, so is he. You know, you hear the thoughts make the man. That's a a common idea. Uh, Gandhi said, and I love this quote, keep your thoughts positive because your thoughts become your words. Keep your words positive because your words become your behaviors. Keep your behaviors positive because your behaviors become your habits. Keep your habits positive because your habits become your values. Keep your values positive because your values become your destiny. All starts with a thought. Deepak Deepak Chopra said it eloquently when he said, Our intentions attract the elements and forces, the events, the situations, the circumstances, and the relationships necessary to fulfill the intended outcome. In other words, the energy follows the intention. We can find volumes and volumes written on the law of attraction, the law of visualization, 
creating your own reality, the power of thought. Motivational speakers declare what the mind can conceive and believe you can achieve. And a lot of us take those thoughts for granted. But most of us have done it. Most of us can remember a time when we were children when we wanted something so bad we could taste it. We daydreamed about it and we perhaps dreamed about it at night as well. We longed for it. And without having told anybody that we want it, it appeared. Mom or dad gave it to you or a friend did, but you hadn't told them that you wanted it. That's creation at its best. You may have experienced as an adult a time when you desperately needed money and out of the blue money appeared. Somebody who owed you money and you hadn't heard from them for so long you gave up on it, all of a sudden remembered that they owed you money and, and sent just the amount you needed at the time. Or you received a gift from some unexpected area that you hadn't even considered. We call this manifesting. Our guest today is living proof that you can indeed create your own reality, but I'm going to let her tell her own story. Uh, she'll tell it far better than I can. She's a powerful example of the power of intention and the law of attraction. Dr. Jin Sue Robertson is one of Korea's top inspirational and motivational speakers. And in fact, today she's talking to us from Korea. It's four o'clock in the morning there. Um, and so we're going to hear some firsthand uh, information. This came about as a part of her lifelong dream, her being a, an inspirational, motivational speaker. But it didn't come without suffering and hardships. She came to the United States at the age of 22 with $100, little English, and the promise of a job that wasn't available once she arrived. Imagine being 22 with only $100 and no job and not able to speak the language. Her story is told in her book, Major Dream, From Immigrant Housemaid to Harvard Ph.D., which has sold more than a half a million copies. Her inspirational story is one everyone should hear, especially those who have been on the losing end in this economic uh, slump that we're in. Jin Su, welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Irene. Uh, how, how are you? <laughs> Fine, thank you. And I'm just uh, uh, I'm almost awake. So Almost like, well, then I'll ask you an easy question. Yes, tell us, please. tell us about yourself. Who is Jin Sue Robertson? Oh, but one correction though. Uh, my last name, you know, maiden name is a Sue So S U H. So okay. you can call me just the just Jin call or you Jin. Or, yeah, Jin or Jin Q. Jin Q, Q. is my uh, yeah. <laughs> I've tried okay. to be cute. You know, early in the morning. Okay, we'll just call you Jin. Right, yeah, Jin would have been much easier. So, uh, so who is Jin? Uh, I wonder my, myself sometimes too, and uh, a Korean American woman who, as you mentioned, you know, is living uh, her American dream uh, from immigrant housemaid to I even experienced as a, a bettered wife, you know. And the mother of two children retired as a U.S. Army major, 
and uh, uh, finally got my you know childhood dream of becoming a PhD at the age of 57, and now living my American dream, inspiring, motivating, and the millions of people. And I still dream to inspire, motivate billions of people in the world. So and, that's... <laughs> and I think you'll probably do that. You have a lot of years to go yet. Yes. You, were, you were born in Korea. Uh-huh. Tell us, tell us about your family and what it was like growing up there. You know what it's like growing up in America now because your children did. But yes. you know, how does that compare with Korea? Well, it's almost night and day, you know. And uh, in Korea, uh, traditionally, it's they you know uh, treat the woman less than men and subservient. And I happen to be born in a poor Korean family at the bottom of the Korean society. Uh, you know, right after uh, Korea was liberated from uh, Japanese occupation. And uh, two years after I was born, we experienced the Korean War. It almost uh, destroyed the whole country. Yeah. So, yeah, growing up in that, uh, you know, the situation, that's hard enough. And uh, my mom uh, happened to uh, give me, you know, who gave me the hardest time. And uh, because she believed, you know, girls are useless and girls are worthless. And she hated girls. <laughs> oh, my. Where, where did you fit in the family? How many siblings did you have? I had an older sister, older brother, and I'm the third. And I had three younger brothers. So we we have only you know two two, two daughters, uh, I consider you know con, uh, versus four sons, but still my mom didn't like girls at all, and the, my father was making you know uh, enough money to feed us, and my mom had to run uh, a small tavern in the country, and the tavern owners were looked down upon in so, you know in society. And in that situation, you know, my mom was uh, uh, treated bad, and she was busy all the time with the tavern. And so I had to do. And my mom, my sister got married when I was six, you know, sixth grader. So I had to do all the house chores from five o'clock dark in the morning until twelve o'clock midnight, except the time I was in school. As a sixth grader, uh-huh. it's a wonder you got to go to school at all. Was that? A special that you were allowed to go to school. Well, my my mom believed that you know uh, it would be success considered success if a girl graduates from elementary school and stay home and do the, all the house chores and get married you know with the man they choose. So, so that was, that was what <laughs> that was what you had to look forward to was finishing elementary school yeah. and then getting married uh-huh. and raising mm-hmm. children. Yeah. And that's and what that's you'd a, been doing. You'd been doing that already most of your life, <laughs> raising. No, uh, and my, uh, you know, worst fear was my sister lived exactly, the, you know, as, the plan, as planned by my mom, and she lived miserably. So I wasn't happy to look forward for my future. <laughs> 
And and you saw your hope in education, as I understand it from your book. You really wanted to get an education. How did? And I I read your story, but and I was trying to to put myself in your place and see how it was in your family getting the the okay, getting the permission to go to high school. That must have been a struggle to get that privilege of high school. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, um, that story proves that um, you know the we can change our fate, and or you we can choose our own destiny. And uh, um, I was actually you know the at the bottom of the class, number one from the bottom of my class in elementary <laughs> uh, school. Yeah, elementary school from first to third graders, and I was considered really timid. And uh, then when I, you know, became the sixth grader and my sister got married off and then I had to do uh, work from five o'clock and that's when I discovered that I am, I have no talent in doing the house chores and I have, I really didn't like doing the house chores in such a cold weather from five o'clock, dark in the morning, you know, shivering and I really didn't like it. And that was the uh, turning point for my life, really. So well, when I didn't like that and I almost, you know, begged my mom, even, you know, my brother can sleep late at night, in, uh, late in the morning, and then I had to get up. And so I had to do all the, all the things by myself. And so I asked my mom, you know, why wouldn't you uh, let my brother and me do the work together? And my mom said, no, it's just a girl's job, and you do that. You know? <laughs> so uh, that's when I uh, became, you know, discovered that I had a anger in myself. I was so angry about the situation. Why? I never asked to be born as a girl. As you said that earlier in the introduction, you know, some people say we chose our own family or our own, you know, parents. Or but we were born without any choice. I'm not sure which one is the correct, but uh, actually, uh, looking back, I would say I might have chosen my parents too, you know, but because that helped me to reach here. But um, anyway, going back to that time, uh, if my mom did not put me to work like that, and if I didn't discover that I how much I didn't like doing the house chores. And I might have not, you know, thinking about studying at all. But um, anyway, so I wanted to become to a justice fighter, and I wanted to become the, uh, you know, the someone like Robin Hood, who, who can help the people who were born in that situation without their help, and then you know they don't have any help to help them. And I was gonna be the Robin Hood to help them. You know, that was my the uh, utmost desire and dream. But uh, to do that, I had to be successful, I realized. And I, had, I need some power or I need some money or something. So I asked my teacher, I need to be successful, teacher. What can I become? And he said, well, become Ph.D. It's uh, success. <laughs> Jin, yeah. it's time for us to take a break. I want to talk much more about your education when we come back. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Jen Robertson. 
saying stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to Green with Envy every week for the most up-to-date information about living a green, fulfilling life. With a mix of serious inquiry and engaging humor, host Peter Terweem and his guest experts uncover topical issues and refreshing stories that will keep you informed and inspired. We'll want to hear from you during the live program as well. Green with Envy is broadcast live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on World Talk Radio Variety. Follow the World Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at World Talk Radio. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the World Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash World Talk Radio or follow along with us at World Talk Radio, the World Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. Welcome back, I mean. Uh, this is Irene Conlon. We're talking with Jen Robertson, who came to the United States as a 22-year-old with very little English from Korea, no job, um, and she may she received her Ph.D. from Harvard. And we're finding out about her life and how she did this almost miraculous thing. We were talking about her going to school. You did finish elementary school, and tell us how you managed to get to go to high school, Jen. Yes. Um, so uh, my teacher said, um, you know, becoming a Ph.D. is the major success. So uh, I dreamed to become a Ph.D., and I asked him, what do I need to do to become a Ph.D.? And he said, well, study well. So from then on, I was just pouring whatever the time I can find. You know, I will just reduce my time to sleep and uh, whatever time I can find, and I focused on studying. And amazing discovery. You know, before, uh, you know, reading a book, a school textbook, and reading 10 times, and I don't remember, I don't understand most of it, and I was, as I mentioned earlier, I was the number one from the bottom of my class. But... Amazingly, because my attitude changed, because I have a dream, I have an objective, somehow once I read some book pages, I can remember whole page. It's like taking pictures. So when I take the exam and I was able to remember what book and what page and, you know, what line 
the answer lies. So my class, you know, school record was uh, just skywriting. And at the, by the time I was graduating from elementary school, I was number two of a whole school class and number one among the older girls. Oh, <laughs> it's amazing what... It's amazing what a dream will do. I know. And then that changed my mom's attitude. And because my teachers came, you know, to home and praised about me and, you know, raised their pride, and my mom decided to change her mind that, you know, decided to send me to middle school. And so when Jack, you know, taught us, Jack Canfield taught us, he said, when you know what, how will show up? So I needed to become the PhD, and uh, I need to go to continue education, and uh, I discovered the secret of uh, studying, and uh, uh, I was uh, able to go to junior high school, and uh, they even sent me to Seoul, the, the you know the capital city of uh, Korea, to study in the high school, and I was continued to be almost at the top of the class. So what was that like? Where did you live and how did you manage high school? High school, my, you know, it was my persuading anyway, but uh, my uncle, you know, was also uh, living his Korean dream. He was the um, colonel in the Korean army and living in Seoul. So I was able to, you know, borrow a small space for me to stay and uh, live with them and go to high school. And uh, I still was happy and had a dream. But um, when I graduated from Harvard, I mean, from, you know, high school, I hit the wall again. And that, why did you hit the wall? What happened? Well, in school, you know, for studying, you can do, manage yourself and whatever you put effort and then results will rise up, right? But outside, you know, to go to college, it was too expensive anyway, and my parents couldn't afford it. And I wasn't still, I was still somewhat a timid, you know, timid girl, although I was doing well in school, and I couldn't find a job, and I couldn't, you know, support myself to send me to college. So I ended up working as a, a factory girl, uh, making very minimum wage, and uh, uh, I wasn't able to feed myself because I wasn't doing well at all in making weeks. And uh, also, most of most of all, you know, I didn't like that situation at all, and there was uh, seems no hope. And uh, uh, you know, I was just uh, at the end of the um, my dream world, I guess. And so I was in despair and depressed. And uh, so with that attitude, you know, you cannot produce anything good. So no. my uh, week wasn't doing well. And so I wasn't able to feed myself. I had to go, you know, without food for uh, a couple of days at a time. And uh, my friends were helping me to feed me, you know, buy me uh, some simple meals too. <laughs> so that was my life after high school. And and how did you get out of that? It's like, you know, my thinking is that you really had to escape. How did you, how did you get out of that situation and manage to come to the United States? 
Well, America was known to most of Koreans at the time because Korea was, you know, the probably poorest country in the world at the time. And during the Korean War, Americans came and, you know, they helped Korea to uh, survive. And uh, so America was considered like a, a paradise. And I, particularly for me, I thought Americans were all Americans were rich and all Americans were gods and goddess and America is the land of, you know, paradise and we were told America is the land of opportunity. So a lot of people dreamed of going to America and, uh, but it was uh, like uh, getting a star from the star, you know, sky. It's not, right. it was so difficult. <laughs> but I ran into a newspaper ad looking for a housemaid to work for American family in America. So I applied for that. And then the uh, biggest fear was uh, in those times, about um, probably about 60 or 70 percent, you know, many girls were assembled, you know, recruited like that, and sold, uh, they were sold on the street as a prostitution. I so, heard that, yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, almost a common sense. So I had to take a risk of that. But I thought living like that in Korea without any outlet, I decided to take a chance. And, you know, I will give it a try. And if I get sold out on the street, then I will commit suicide then. You know, because we're all going to die anyway, sooner or later. So I, but I was going to give a try first before I die. And that's and so, how I applied. So you got enough money to come to the United States somehow. Also, yeah, that was really hard to get the money because I didn't have, know how. And the only way was persuading my parents. And my parents were totally against because they can see the picture of me sold, being sold out on the street, you know. So, But uh, I cried and uh, I was ready to... Uh, stop eating and uh, kill myself or something like that. And so finally my parents were persuaded and my mom borrowed money from the neighbors to pay for my uh, airfare and processing fees. And also my father borrowed $100 and gave it to me. And that was my beginning money in America, $100. $100. So you arrived here thinking you had a job. Mm-hmm. So you found out then you did not have a job. What on earth did you do? That's really, yeah, you don't say much about that in your book. Right. <laughs> I can understand why. You, how, how long did it take you to get a job? And, oh, it, it took only about, um, you know, a couple of months. Because, you know, what the jobs I was looking for was not something office or, you know, a high-class job. I was looking for some any um, labor work. And how did you survive on? How did you survive here on a hundred dollars for three months? Okay, um, I was uh, when I landed there. You know, it took me actually two years to get the visa. So uh, the family who needed a housemaid well, couldn't wait that long. So that's why they had the housemaid right. from the you know, South America. Uh, you know. And uh, the, the sponsor, she said that if I want to, you know, they couldn't wait for that long, but they are my sponsor. And they said if I want to stay in their family, you know, at work there, 
they will find a job for the other woman. But if uh, I want to find something else, do something else, you know, I'm free to do so. And the, the agency, and I called them, and he said, there are millions, you know, there are plenty of jobs like that, you know, housemaid or working at the restaurant or, you know, all kind of jobs are available for uh, that money. So why don't you just, uh, uh, you know, find a new job? This is an amazing opportunity. So America is the land of opportunity. And uh, because, you know, he, I trusted him, and he didn't sell me on the street, so I followed his word, and he said that there were a couple of Korean women who came to America, but they graduated from college, and they were working in the office. And so they, he said that they were living in Bronx, and they said, I mean, he said that I can bunk with them for until I find a job, and then I can start paying the rent. So that's how I began my life in Bronx in America. And uh, there were a lot of people from Thailand. They were doing busboy and uh, waiter and all kinds of jobs. And uh, they are the ones who helped me to find a job as a hostess in a, a, a Jewish restaurant in downtown Wall Street. That was my beginning. That's that's such a lovely story, and and you know what I hear is that if you can do that as a 22 year old with no money, no command of the language, then you know what about everybody else? They can do the same thing if they have the right attitude and the right motivation. We're going to be talking more about that right now. It's time for us to go to another break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Jen Robertson. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is Jen Robertson, who started out in Korea, managed to get to the United States with $100 and a promise of a job. Um, It took a few turns, but she did get a job. She still had her dream of getting a Ph.D. And sometime in this time, Jen, you got married. You don't talk much about your marriage in the book, and we probably don't need to do that today. You did say it was abusive um, and to 
to get out of that situation, you joined the Army. Tell us about how you managed to go into the um, Army. What motivated you to do that instead um, of something else? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, like that, um, you know, life in life that you do have a choice. And, uh, you know, it, uh, Jack Canfield put it so well as a, uh, event plus uh, response equals outcome. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I'm standing here, I'm sitting here, actually, uh, based on all my responses, you know, uh, which the, the events were presented. And the, that going, joining the U.S. Army was also one of the responses I chose. And uh, when I got married to, uh, he was a Korean man, just came from Korea, you know, the Akido black belt, seventh degree, and I thought he was uh, like a Bruce Lee, you know. Yes. <laughs> and so fell in love and got married and had a baby, but uh, he was abusive, and he believed that woman, you know, the place is subservient to uh, men. Growing up from Korea, you know, I can understand that. But at the same time, he believed that the woman needs to be beaten up at least, you know, three or four times a year oh. to teach them their places. Ah, <laughs> uh, so, that, uh-huh. that was not okay with you, was it? No, it wasn't. I mean, you know, being beaten up by my mom was bad enough and, you yeah. know, by a husband. And besides that, I was the bread earner, you know, because he couldn't make money to support a family. And I had to support my family and do the cooking and doing all the house chores and then be, being beaten up. You know, yeah. that was something totally unacceptable for me. But I couldn't fight back. And he was about five foot eleven and uh, oh. uh, what hundred. <laughs> so how did you pounds. get out of that? Did you literally escape? Did you have to? No. Es- how, how did well, he let you go? Well, I was almost. You know, I was at the verge of committing. I mean, murdering him. You know, to, to take a revenge, and I became so scared of myself and uh, then uh, I cried with my daughter you know holding that uh, tiny body and crying and then the idea came to me about joining the US Army because that I need to separate myself from him at least a few months at a time so that I can probably be able to leave him you know yes so that's why I joined the US Army and uh, but when I joined he he thought I was the you know, getting another job, you know, that's another job actually making more money for uh, in our condition. And uh, so he, he didn't have much choice but letting me go, you know. But uh, it was not, it was really hard because my daughter was only eight months old and mm-hmm. I had a miscarriage one month before the basic training and my body was a total wreck actually. Couldn't do one sit-up and couldn't jog for three minutes. And that was the beginning, but I was determined that, you know, I reminded myself about my dream uh, when I was a child to become a justice fighter and helping, you know, the people who were suffering and all those dreams. And I told myself, you know, I need to be successful so that I can be the role model to my daughter and open her ways. So that determination helped me to survive at the basic training, and I graduated number one out of 200 women. 
Why am I not surprised? <laughs> that is not a surprise at this point. But yeah. congratulations. I mean, that is that is a very big thing. Um, not Thank easy you. to do. <laughs> but the, now, becoming the number one was not the main, you know, the uh, main gain for me. The, the the biggest gain was see you can do it. It's possible. If you have a dream, if you care about yourself, and if you give yourself a creative or something, you know, the sense of mission, the amazing power will wake up and reside, you know, and come out and help you. And America is the land of, you know, opportunity, and so many things are possible. And, you know, my story, one of the, my pride of sharing my story is, and if it's possible, as you mentioned earlier, if it's possible for me, it's possible for any American, you know, for, especially for those who were born in America and they spoke English ever since when they were born. And there are billions of billions of people outside of America. They are ready to give their arms and legs to be able to have one opportunity in America. And you know, many of our people think that they should be taken care of primarily by the government, uh, and they don't have the kind of determination that you mm-hmm. have. Um, and I, you know, I really commend you. I, 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 you know, I'm just blown away by your story and the courage. I mean, it took some tremendous sacrifices to do what you did. How did you manage raising your children? You had a daughter at this point in the military. How did you take care of her and be in the military? Um, I did get help from my you know, extended family, my mom and dad. So you'd brought, your, your, you'd brought your mom and dad over here by the time Later. you were in the yes, army. Yeah, that's when I, after I became a uh, mate, I mean, a uh, officer in the U.S. Army. But at first, you know, I was, I had an assignment in Korea. So my, oh. yeah, <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, although the helps were uh, readily available for me. So that was, and I was supporting them and they were helping me to raise my child. And, uh, you know, from I, the divorce is not that simple as uh, you cannot cut it like uh, cutting the water almost and uh, uh, I left to I joined the US Army to leave him and ended up getting back together with him and I had a son and then I suffered again more oh. and uh, yeah so uh, that's a, I mean I'm just a normal woman you know a lot of women better the wife go through those kind of things and uh, they hide those effects because they are ashamed and uh, they are angry internally and, uh, you know, so those kind of, uh, and then to start thinking that it was my fault being beaten up, you know, I still caused that and all kind of things I went through. So it was easy for me to talk to those battered wives and it wasn't their fault and there is a way out and not the way out as uh, I thought about, you know, committing, I mean, murdering him. It must have been, I don't know whether interesting is the word, to go back to Korea as um, um, in the military. You must have looked like a tremendous success to everybody that you knew back there. Did they yeah. realize how much you were still suffering and how much trouble you were still in with that marriage? Did they understand that? Or did they just well, think you'd become a rich American? 
well, the two uh, average Koreans that I became a rich American, very successful, yeah. envious people, you know. But uh, to my very close circle of my friends, they knew I was being beaten up and I was suffering in those, you know, uh, in those things. But um, you know, my, I was trying to hide that from my father because, you know, I always had the feeling for my father. And uh, although he didn't make money and, you know, whenever my mom was saying girls are useless and uh, she uh, uh, disliked girls, and then my father always said, you know, I think girls are just as beautiful and just as precious as boys. He always tried to comfort us, you know, as I was growing up. So I hated to see my father finding out that I, the, her, his daughter uh, was being beaten up by his son-in-law. And that was most painful for me, actually. But uh, before I forget um, about, the, you know, the sharing the story with Americans and inspiring Americans, I... Talk, I gave a speech at the, um, one of the college in Boston area, and uh-huh. that college, you know, have uh, people on, you know, welfare, and the government sent them to college, and I spoke to them and shared my story, and especially the vi- vividly about this better the wife life experience, and when the sto- speech was over, those students were just uh, rushing to me and hugging me, and they want to uh, take me out for lunch or dinner or, you know, with their welfare money. And they promised that, you know, if you made it, why not us? You know, we can make it too. This is the same country, and we were born here. And as I said, you know, we spoke English ever since a child. So if you made it, we can make it too. And I promise you, we're going to get out of this uh, the welfare, you know, the recipient. And one girl, single mom, she was, I think, about 19, and came over and shook my hand. And she said, Jin, I am going to raise my daughter just like yours. I promise. What and a great compliment. Yeah. Promise, Prophet said that all those students were very laid back, passive all this time, and they, she was just shocked. It's like a zombie came alive as a human being, you know. And that's the and, kind of effect you can have on people with this amazing story of yours. Now, during this time in the military, I'm assuming that you were going to college um, mm-hmm. because you got your master's degree. And then before you left the military, were you already working on your Ph.D.? Yes. What did, what did you get your doctoral degree in? What was your major? Uh, history in East Asian language, history and East Asian languages, which ah. actually is, you know, for uh, international relations history. So, uh that's why, you know, I love working between countries and I love uh, being a, a diplomat. I was soldier diplomat in working in Japan and working in Germany, Korea. And so in the future, you know, I want to work as a, uh, if it's possible, be a Secretary of State of America. How's that? I don't know why you couldn't. It seems to me <laughs> that you are perfectly, perfectly qualified for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's another my dream. Jen, I hate to say it, but it's time for us to take another station break. Um, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that and um, talk about what would you, what, what, where are you headed now. This is Irene Conlon with the Self-Improvement Show. My guest, Jen Robertson, saying, please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Your favorite World Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To succeed in life today, you have to respond well to change and be willing to take chances. On Star Style, Be the Star You Are, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan and her sidekick, daughter Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations with live interviews with trailblazers, authors, and experts. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on the Power Hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Variety. For positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio, it's Star Style. Be the star you are. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're talking today to Jen Robertson, who is who came from immigrant housemaid to Harvard PhD. What an amazing story. She has a wonderful book called Major Dream from Immigrant Housemaid to Harvard PhD. Jen, where can they find your book and how can they find you? Oh, uh, they can find my book from the Amazon.com or Barnes and & Nobles and all the major bookstores, and uh, they can find they can read more about me on my uh, blog, uh, uh, housemate to Harvard dot blogspot dot com, and uh, there's a contact information there. And also they can uh, send me email Jin Q J I N K Y U at Jin Q's World dot com J I N K Y U S World dot com. Wonderful. Now, I'll give you a warning about the book. <laughs> when you start it, you're not going to want to put it down. So, you know, yeah, well, be sure you. you have plenty of time to read. Uh, Jen, if you could do it over again, if you needed to do it over again, is there anything that you would do different? Well, I would uh, be more, you know, I would be do a little better for my father before he passed away, and he passed away, you know, uh, 1986, 89, and uh, I didn't uh, do much for him before he died, so that I would do, you know, differently. Did did you bring him, was he in the United States when he died, or was he still in Korea? He was in America when he got ill, you know, from the... uh, what do you call that is a uh, 
uh, anyway, so I just the word doesn't come out fast, but uh, anyway, so uh, we took him to Korea, and uh, uh, he died a couple of weeks after he arrived in Korea. You know, I would think that he was so uh, probably overwhelmed with what you had done for him. So, you know, I would say you did a lot for your father. Would you do it again? Would, would I do it again? Mm-hmm. Um, would you do you know, this Looking whole back, I, as I was going through those difficult times, I was suffering. I didn't enjoy it. And looking back, I'm glad I did that. But I don't really want to go through those difficult times again. <laughs> oh, no. But, it, you know, if... If if you had to make that decision again to leave Korea with so little and try to start all over, yes. would you yes. still do that, it? Yes, I would definitely. Okay. And I am proud, and I love America. America is the best country in the world. I totally agree with you. Where did you find the strength and the courage to keep going through some of those hard times? Where did where what did you draw from? I felt sorry for me. You know, what have I done to deserve all this? And there's just a poor little girl all alone and tried to survive. And I felt so sorry for that woman, for that, for that girl. So I decided early on that I determined, you know, promised I'm going to help that woman or I'm going to help that girl to survive and uh-huh. to you know, realize their dream. And even until today, whenever I feel, you know, bad or I'm lost, then I uh, look at me with the uh, eye of, sim- you know, sympathetic eyes and try to help me. I think that is the biggest, uh, you know, power to help yourself and change yourself. You know, it's interesting because I hear you saying that you feel sorry for you, and yet I hear this powerful, dynamic woman who's done so much, <laughs> and it's such an interesting contrast. Looking Thank back... You. What do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Greatest accomplishment is, uh, in spite of all those things, I raised my daughter to become the uh, example child and model child, you know, model citizen of America and the citizen of the world. So that is the biggest accomplishment, I, I would say. That's a tremendous accomplishment for any parent. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Tell us, what does your what does your daughter do now? She's out of college too, isn't she? She she graduated from Harvard. She was the presidential scholar when she graduated from high school. Uh-huh. That's uh, well, you know, uh, hundred forty one out of two point five million, you know, uh, graduating seniors from high school. So she got that from Clinton, and she joined the U.S. Army. Ah. Me. <laughs> She's a major in the U.S. Army serving for the country. <laughs> Wonderful. What about your son? He's a chef. He loves to cook. And it's a kind of an interesting family. You know? But uh, about, uh, my daughter and me were serving in the U.S. Army, and he was uh, cooking. And he was an amazing chef. He's an amazing chef. And... and- and he, he does he live in America or Korea? He's in Seattle. He lives in oh, he's Seattle. in Seattle. So how yes. do you keep up with each other? You're all over the world. Your daughter know, is your daughter in the east, or your daughter's yeah. in the military? Yeah. So and I th- I would say that quality is more important than quantity. 
you know, time, use the time, the little time you have together well, really value that. And uh, yes. we just communicate with the phone and emails. And my daughter, you know, I see her uh, pretty often somehow, you know. So That's good. So what's next for you, Jen? I have a dream. I still have dreams. And I want to become like Oprah Winfrey and, uh, you know, inspiring at the same time at the re- as rich and sharing, not only inspiring them as a share with financially and supporting many, many people, helping many, many people in the world. So that's uh, one of the dream. And another one is uh, uh, I loved working between countries as a diplomat. So I would love to become the Secretary of State of America and uh, help the world with bring more peace. Now, I hope that whoever can help this come about is listening to that. I, I certainly, you understand what it's like to be in third world countries, in countries that mm-hmm. are impoverished, that are war-torn. You love America. You understand mm-hmm. both sides. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have a Ph.D. in you know, I don't know what I, I don't know what else you could possibly you need, and you know, perhaps with the next election, you can get such an appointment. We're almost at the end of our show, so tell tell us, Jen, what's the single most important message you want to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, it could be single or double, but uh, love yourself, and if you don't help yourself. Who will? And another thing is that realize we have only one life to live, and uh, it will never come back. So use it well and be happy. Oh, what a lovely message. Use your life well and be happy. Now, what mm-hmm. more is there than that? <laughs> you know, are you happy at this point, Jen? Not a nice yes. question to ask. <laughs> yes, I am very happy. And, and I, I am so grateful to myself and yes. others. <laughs> and we've made it now to almost 5 o'clock your time. I hope you can go back mm-hmm. to bed and get a yes. little more sleep. Next week's yes. guest is Doug Knoll. He's a, a trial lawyer has a black belt in Kung Fu, and now he acts as a peacemaker on an international level. So we want you to be sure and come back next week to hear what Doug Knoll has to say. Maybe I can get the two of you together, Jen, and you can you know, figure out how we can get you where you want to be. Um, well, think about that. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, you don't know how many people you are helping right now. Well, you know, I don't, but I know they're out there, and I'll help any way I can, just as you will. You have a safe trip for the rest of your journey, and hopefully you'll be back in this country soon. Yes. This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show saying goodbye for now. Come back and listen again next week. We'll be back again next Thursday. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.